3: Dips inside and hits. Oh, oh, what, a what a goal! Right, that is from Ross Wallace. Chris Waddle, is he going to have a crack? Yeah. Oh, he does, it's good.
0: Anything Paul Gascoigne can do, Chris Waddle can do.
1: One by Stephen Fletcher back towards Adam Ridge.
3: You're listening to the Wednesday Till I Die podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Oppos View, the show where we get the lowdown on our upcoming opponents. In this case, it's Cheltenham Town who make the five hour round trip to Sheffield this weekend for what is the, only the second meeting between the two clubs in history and Cheltenham's first visit to Hillsborough ever. Uh, I think I'm right in saying that anyway. Uh, now, with me to tell us all about Cheltenham Town is John Palmer from Gloucester Live. Uh, how are you, John? You are all right? Yeah, I'm very well. Thanks, James. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm fine. Thank you, John. Uh, thanks for taking the time to come and speak to me this evening. Um, now, it says on your Twitter bio, uh, author of four books on Cheltenham Town. Now, is there really that much to talk about on Cheltenham?
4: Well, I've just about, I think I've milked it for all it's worth now. I think I'm struggling to come up with a fifth, but I've managed to do four. And uh, if it's out on beach, Sheffield Wednesday on Saturday at Hillsborough, they might have to be a fifth.
3: <laughs> Fantastic. <Claire. laughs> right, let's. I mean, we'll, we'll get we'll get straight into it. Obviously, people are listening to this because they want to know what we're uh, going to come up against this weekend. We'll start off with a little bit of. History. Let's uh, let's say. Um, obviously, Cheltenham got promoted from league to as champions last season. Um, but League One isn't uncharted territories. We've been here before. Obviously, as recent as you know, between two thousand and six to two thousand nine. But it's not been as plain sailing as that, has it? You know, what were the likes? What were the days, days like in the uh, in the National League? Uh, a bit bleak, I can imagine.
4: Yeah, I mean, Cheltenham spent the vast majority of their history in non-League football, and they only got into the league for the first time in ninety nine. So they got in 99, stayed in the Football League until 2015. As you said, then they got relegated for one year. So, I wouldn't describe that season as bleak because Cheltenham stormed back with over 100 points. So they're straight back at the first attempt, which a lot of clubs struggle to do. So, back into League 2 in 2016. Um, been been sort of struggling a bit in League 2 for a few years. Then Michael Duff comes in in 2018. And since then, it's been definitely an upward curve. So, all Cheltenham fans should be enjoying themselves at the moment because 12th in League One is comfortably the highest they've ever been. You know, This is this is definitely one of Cheltenham's best ever teams and they're probably going to finish in the highest ever position, which is 17th back in 2006-07. That's the best finish so far in League One. So it's it's good times for the club. First league title as a league club last season. On course, the highest finish now. They've had the Man City FA Cup game in the fourth round last season where they led through Alfie May's goal. Um, until the 81st minute that was a great occasion it was just a shame it was behind closed doors but it's uh, yeah it's an exciting time for the club and just going to Sheffield Wednesday I know I joked about it earlier but it is a pinch yourself moment for Cheltenham fans going to Hillsborough to watch Cheltenham play Sheffield Wednesday it's not an FA Cup game it's not a League Cup game they're in the same division as the Owls it's something that most Cheltenham fans wouldn't would really have believed a few years ago.
3: Yeah. Now you, you mentioned him uh, just earlier there. You know, Michael Duff, uh, the manager. Obviously, it's his first managerial job in his career. Um, you know, a 40-year-old when he took over four years ago. You mentioned it as well. Promotion as champions last season. He, he's not done too bad, has he? Is his uh, his first job?
4: No, he was already a legend at the club from his playing days. He, he had three promotions as a player at Cheltenham, from the Southern League to the Conference to League Two to League One. Uh, that was the first time Cheltenham had ever got to League One in 2002 and Michael Duff was in the team. and So he came back as a very popular character. Um, so even though he hadn't managed before, he had that sort of popularity around the place. Um, always going to be very warm, warmly welcomed back. Uh, it didn't start particularly well for him. Uh, I think it took him nine or ten games to get his first win. But I have to say, inherited a very st- struggling team um, when he came in. At the start of that season, they'd lost four in a row. Um drawn one and that's when Gary Johnson got sacked a couple of games in charge for Russell Milton as caretaker and then Michael came in and he basically the, the transfer windowed shut and he was stuck with the players that he had and he had to sort of get the best out of them until the January brought a few in pulled away from the drop zone that season and finished 16th which was respectable considering what he inherited then in his first full season Cheltenham got to the playoffs which was the pandemic affected season lost in the playoffs semi-finals to Northampton and then last season went up as champion. So I think he's well on the way to having a very bright future in management. He's 44 now. Um, as you said, 40 when he took over. I think Cheltenham fans, again, have just got to enjoy it while he's here because he is going to be attracting the attention of bigger clubs for what he's done with a tiny budget at Cheltenham. To be 12th in League One is uh, certainly you know, no, mean, no mean feat. So, yeah, he's everything he's done so far at Cheltenham as a player, has turned to gold and he's now doing it again as a manager so he's he's one of the club's all-time greats
3: yeah i mean when he signed what were your thoughts first and foremost i know you said he was a you know, already a club legend from his playing career but you know ha- you know most people look at what have they've done before and things like that were was it a case of just you know come in and see what he can do or, or were you did you want something a bit more experienced let's say
4: I think Cheltenham have generally done well when they've had an ex player or somebody that's got a connection with the club in charge, which Steve Cotrell did when he won all those promotions in the nineties the and early noughties and Mark Yates came in as manager in the sort of two thousand and late two thousands and early two thousand and tens and he was an ex player and he did well. And I think Michael Duff coming back, he'd done a good job with um, Burnley under twenty threes. He was just starting to get himself involved with Sean Dyche's first team management staff at Burnley and I think people knew what he was like. He could have just stayed at Burnley and and carried on going in the twenty threes and sort of maybe had a job security for life, really, because he's so popular at Burnley as well. But I think he, I think fans appreciated him taking himself out of that comfort zone to give it a go at Cheltenham, who we were struggling in League Two at the time. So he he had no senior management games under his belt, but I think everyone knew he was he had a good temperament, understood the club, and was ambitious. And I think he showed the same sort of hunger now as a manager as he did when a player. And he got released by three clubs when he was young. Swindon, Nottingham, Forest, and Darlington all released him before he sort of got his first proper chance at Cheltenham. And then he went on to play in every division from the Hellenic League Premier Division to the Premier League in ascending order, which is, we we think, and nobody's been able to say any different, that he's the only player ever to do that. So his football playing career was incredible. And uh, everyone will hope that he, you know, everyone will wish him well when he does go and manage at a higher level. Uh, But when he came in, I was pleased that they'd got somebody with a club at heart
3: that was my main thought when he first took over. Yeah. Now, uh, let, let's go to the reverse fixture. Obviously, you come to Hillsborough on Saturday, but we, <clears throat> we came to the, the Johnny Rock Stadium or Wadden Road <laughs> as uh, it's more traditionally known. Uh, yeah, <clears throat> 30th of October it was, so it seems uh, an age ago now. Obviously, that match finished 2-2. Kyle Vassell opened the scoring early in the first half. A, a player who now plays for San Diego, I found out. Incidentally, uh, that's right line now. Um, uh, obviously, then it was a, a Shade Uncle header followed by a Blair own goal in the second half. Um, and then it was um, a, a Blair goal at the end, you know, very, very late on. One of the many late, late goals that we've uh, that we've conceded this season injury time to, to share the points. I mean, for us, it was an absolute awful first half, a better second yeah. half, perhaps should well. Going to if if you two one up in the 90th minute, you should have won the game. Um But on reflection, a point was probably fair on the on the balance of the whole game. I mean, how was it from your perspective? And you don't need to agree with with me, Ivy. Yeah. You know.
4: Yeah, my my memories of that one are it, it was a decent game, but obviously, as you said, a lot of the drama happened in the last sort of eight or nine minutes. But for for me, that game I will always remember the noise and the sort of size of the Sheffield Wednesday fan base that that turned up, and also really it was just Matty Blair's day, Matty Blair. I'm not sure if you're aware, but his dad played for Sheffield Wednesday. Um, He used to go and watch Sheffield Wednesday's young lad with his brother, who sadly passed away a few years ago after uh, struggling with a brain tumour. So it was a very emotional day for Andy Blair, Matty's dad, was watching from the stands with other members of the family. And for Matty to play against Sheffield Wednesday, who he he had so many fond memories of watching them with his brother, Um, he he, he was in tears when he he scored that goal. Um, I remember he was sort of lying on the floor, players around him, Alfie May, who's one of his great mates, was, was consoling him really because he enjoyed the moment but I think then it hit him uh, the memories of his brother and that sort of thing so that, that was really the standout memories of me for that day it was Matty Blair's day uh, but it, it was a decent game of football I think Sheffield Wednesday showed glimpses of what everyone expected to go on and, and make a promotion challenge and Cheltenham were doing alright at the time they'd won to beat in a couple of the sort of what you'd call the smaller clubs in the division in Morecambe and Accrington at home and I think most people probably came away just happy that they'd seen their Team in front of five and a half thousand, which is a decent crowd for Cheltenham, um put up a decent res- you know, respectable performance against what is seen as one of the, if not the biggest clubs in the division.
3: Yeah, now now in terms of your your recent form, obviously three wins and, and two defeats, which includes the 2 0 defeat last night away at Plymouth. Um obviously a bit up and down, it probably is why you're you where you are in the league, you know. Um, you know, three wins and two defeats in your last five. You sit bang in the middle of the of the table at the moment, I think you I think it was 17 points from the playoffs, 17 from the relegation. She couldn't be <laughs> any more in the middle, really. When you when you look at it, um, is it just feet up time for you now, really? Because you know, you don't like you're gonna really get into well, get into the playoffs. Don't like you're gonna go down. Is it just just recharge for next season?
4: Yeah, I think Cheltenham went on a run between the end of November and then probably end of January, where they couldn't get a win. They drew a lot. They, lot, they let a lot of late goals in. And it, it, I started, you know, to see a bit of worry around the place. And some of the fans are starting to get a bit worried in, in January that the Cheltenham were going to get dragged into it again. But they beat Sunderland at home uh, February the 8th. Brilliant 2-1 victory. It was a start of two two wins in a row, which took the, took the pressure off. And they've got a couple of decent draws at Wickham and Ipswich. And since then, it's been a bit more... Like you said, lose one, win one, lose one, win a couple, lose one. So they've they've moved clear of trouble, and I think, but I don't think Duff will let them peter out because because they're going for that best ever finish. He'll want to set a marker down. I mean, it might never get this good for Cheltenham. So from from a Sheffield Wednesday's perspective, it might just see Cheltenham are very much sort of middle of the road, win win one, lose one, win one, lose, and halfway up the table. But from Cheltenham fans' point of view. Having never finished above seventeenth, I think they will they will want to sort of drive on, finish the season strongly, and get a bit of optimism going again about next season. Because often the second season in the League One has been difficult for Cheltenham in the past. So I think they'll they'll keep they'll keep plugging away. Some players are playing for contracts. Um, yeah. Some players will want to prove that they're they're worthy of getting offered the deal for next season. They can do it at the League One level. There's a few young lads on loan from big clubs, Premier League clubs that want to impress and keep building their reputation. So I don't think. Cheltenham showed any signs at Plymouth on Tuesday have been on the beach, you know, the old cliche, but they didn't show any signs of... They were well up for the game and they gave Plymouth a proper scare on Tuesday. They just missed the chances and then Plymouth scored a couple of cracking goals, but it wasn't a it wasn't a one-sided game. So I think Wednesday will we'll be given a decent test on Saturday, even though Cheltenham are not going up, not going down.
3: Yeah, I mean, one thing that we will take um, a, a bit of a positive from is... Y- Cheltenham's away forms not great, is it? You know, uh, one winning the last eleven games away from home, uh, and that came at Morecambe fairly recently you know, on the twelfth of this month. Uh, other, other than that, you know, like I said a, f- a few draws, quite a few defeats as as well in uh, in there. Um, I mean, is is the away as the away form being a bit of a problem this season for Cheltenham?
4: Yeah, the away forms why why Cheltenham aren't higher up the table because they could you know, they might even be able to get in amongst the top 10 if they won a few more away but they've only won at the Charlton which was a great result early in the season they've won at Gillingham who obviously been struggling all year and then as you said recently beat Morecambe um, I think the the overall view is your away form has been a bit better second half of the season even though they haven't won many they've, they've put up a better fight against the bigger clubs and claimed a few decent draws whereas earlier in the season they went to Sunderland and lost 5-0 got played off the park against Wigan away and um, and took a couple of hammerings, but recently they've gone to the likes of Wickham, even Plymouth, even though they lost 2-0, it was it was a close game, it was a decent performance. MK Dons, I'd say, were a were a little bit a little bit of a different class when they, they beat Charlton three one on March the eighth. But in general, I think there's signs that they're starting to adjust a little bit. First first few months of the season, I think they really were times where they went to clubs that were just had to players that were too good, international players and experienced players at the level that they just didn't couldn't quite handle it. But they've not embarrassed themselves too many times this season. Apart from that Sunderland game and a five nil home defeat by Cambridge. They've been they've been in most games. So yeah, Duff would have wanted a few more points away from home, but it's he, he keeps saying it any win in League One for Cheltenham is, is hard. It's a difficult achievement. So to go and play at Hillsborough in front of twenty plus thousand, not many people will give him a chance, especially having one only won three games away from home all season. But they they were definitely in the game on Tuesday against against a Plymouth team that have won six in a row now without conceding. So I don't think it's sort of a, a hopeless case on Saturday. Uh, and again, I think they will they will be hard to break down and, and very resilient, even though they're not under any major pressure.
3: Yeah, that's something that we struggle um, to come up against. Really, we played Accrington and uh, Gillingham in uh, his recent two fixtures. What you know, Accrington at home, Gillingham away, and, and they both did that, you know, hard to break down and we and we did struggle to be honest. I mean from from a neutral perspective, I mean you, you must be the team to watch. You know, you score a fair few, you concede perhaps more than you'd like to. I mean, the five five against Wickham was probably a prime <laughs> example of that one. I just couldn't believe the couldn't believe the score when uh, that one kept flashing up on my phone.
4: That was that was a mad game. Three one down at half time and then, you know, Alfie May just was on fire. He's been on fire really since the start of February. He's been scoring regularly he's on course to break a few records at the club and he's got 19 in the league 22 in all competitions that day he was just everything he hit flew into the net so yeah it's been it's been entertaining Duff's as an ex-defender himself he, he's been a bit disappointed they've conceded so many but I think he was worried that they would struggle to score goals this season that definitely hasn't been a problem so May only got I think nine in league two last season and title winning team and somehow he's He's just made it look easy in League One compared to. He's got himself fitter. He's got himself more confident. I think the last season, he's feeding off the fans. This season, he's been brilliant, and they'd definitely be entertaining. But last season, the title win was all based on a good back three. We'll talk about formations in a minute, but it always bit based on a very well drilled, well organized, solid foundation, and it was pretty. They'd ground out quite a lot of the wins, whereas this season they've been a little bit more open, but they have definitely created chances they, sh- they they came away from home park on tuesday wondering how they hadn't scored at least two or three really the amount of chances they had so yeah they're, they're a decent team to watch and I- i'm very surprised if it's nil nil on saturday
3: yeah i mean i'm just just looking now so you-, you scored five away at wickham and you scored three away at wimbledon and you came came away with a point from uh from those two games, you know, you'd think having scored eight goals away from home, you'd at least come uh, at least have one win in there. But uh, but yeah, that's that's how it's been for for Cheltenham this so far this this season. Now, just on a little bit on expectations, really, before we go on to like players to watch. Obviously, you came up as champions last season. What what were your expectation of of this squad uh, before the season started? And and well, I, I usually ask what your expectations are going to the end of the season. It looks like you're kind of going to just Finish mid table, looking at where where you are now. But yeah, what what were the expectations like b- before we kicked a ball?
4: The expectations before a ball balls kicked was survival would be a good achievement. That was, that was genuinely the, the the message. The budget was seventeenth highest in League Two, and it's the second lowest in League One. Crew have got the lowest budget and they're bottom of the league. So Cheltenham have got the second lowest budget and they're they're twelfth. So that shows you how well they're doing in terms of punching above their weight. So. They've got sort of, this I would say they're sort of top of the, almost the second division in League One. If if you divide it in two, a lot of the big boys are in the top 10. And you've got probably Charlton are the one team that have, that have not got it right this season in terms of being anywhere near the promotion shake-up in terms of the, ex, the ex-Premier League clubs and that sort of thing. But at the moment, Cheltenham are just below Bolton, who, who came up with them last year, but a far bigger club. So I think the, the expectations levels were, if Michael Duff can keep Cheltenham up, he's done well at this point now with
0: there's nothing quite like a McDelivery at participating restaurants. 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See McDonald's.com.
4: Seven games to go. I think it's job well done. If they can stay where they are now, everyone would bite your hand off. If they can stay in the top half, it will be, you know, it's. I'm not. I don't think I'm over-exaggerating it, but it, it would be one of the great stories in the football league this season that Cheltenham could be finishing the top half of League One with a sort of bottom third League Two budget. It's, it really is that, that much of an achievement if you think about Charm's history. and They've always struggled in League One. They've only stayed up twice before in League One. One was on the last day of the season and one was on a penultimate day of the season. So they beat Doncaster 2-1 in 2008 to stay up on the last day, on dramatic last day of the season. The other time they did it on the penultimate day at Rotherham at the Millwall 1-4-2 and that kept them up. So it's always sort of gone down to the wire before, but this season they look they're going to do it with a little bit of breathing space. And again, that just shows what a brilliant job dust done.
3: Yeah, great stuff. Um, yeah, just on players to watch then. The obvious one, you've already mentioned him. You already mentioned all his stats as well. Alfie May, 19 goals so far this season in the league. Uh, where's number 10? Plays up front. Um, I mean, where's all his goals come from all of a sudden? Because he's got, what, uh, it 4-4 four four before last night. Um, like I said, scored 19 this season. I don't think he scored that many last season, did he?
4: No, he got nine in the league last season. So it is—it's been an amazing improvement for him. He he came to Shelton from Doncaster, having struggled to get a game for Doncaster in League One after they went up as League uh, in, in the automatic promotion places from League Two. But his his amazing run really started in, as I said, start of February. He got eight in four games, and since then he's got another couple against Doncaster in a four-nil home win, and then he's got two in his last three, and he's just playing with an unbelievable amount of confidence. He's definitely got himself fitter spent a lot more time in the gym than he did last year I think he was out of contract at the end of this season thankfully for Cheltenham fans he signed a new deal um, in January which is probably you know Godana's great bit of business but you mentioned earlier Carver sell is now playing San Diego Loyal well they were also interested in May they actually made May an offer to go out there in the summer made him a very attractive offer to go out to California and, and have a great lifestyle out there but Michael Duff managed to persuade him to, to sign a two and a half year deal at Cheltenham so yeah, he's been by far and away Chelten, you know. He, he's going to win Cheltenham Town's Player of the Year by by country mile, but there have been some other good performers. If, if you want to, you know, if you want me to pick a couple of other out, I can.
3: Yeah, do, well, I've just got another one, William Boyle, uh, a centre back, you know, 26 year years of old years of age. Sorry, looks like one of those that just heads it and kicks it type of players, but an effective one. Looking at his stats, I'm mean, i doing a bit of disservice there.
4: No, he's, very, he's a very good at what he does. He's one of the best in the R, uh, I I would say, in, in the division. Ex Sheffield Wednesday youngster, actually. He's a Yorkshire lad. Uh, started out at Sheffield Wednesday, ended up going to, I think, Leeds uh, via, via Huddersfield, and then ended up sort of coming through the ranks at Huddersfield. And he has been one that Wednesday have looked at recent years. Um, Darren Moore likes him, I think. They were sort of watching him closely. I think a lot of people are expecting him to get a move in the summer because he is so. He's left footed, he's improved on the ball under Duff. I wouldn't say he's he's um gonna sort of bring the ball up and, and beat three players, but he's definitely got more comfortable on the ball. But in terms of the the defensive work, he's he's quick, he's one of the best in the air, he's a good organiser, great character, he's challenged captain. Um, if he were to make the move to Sheffield Wednesday, you have got yourself a very good player. Um but there's gonna be interesting. He's out of contract in the summer, and I think the, the sort of feeling is he's gonna get some offers at either top end of League One possibly even lower end of the championship. So you're right to pick him out. And he, he's a, yeah, he's been, he's Cheltenham's longest serving player, signed in January 2017 from Huddersfield. And he's he's a very popular player and I think he will go on to play at a better level.
3: Yeah, go on then, uh, pick, pick a few more out if there, if there is any.
4: Yeah, so the other one I'd pick out, first of all, after Boyle and May, Callum Wright has been excellent this season. He's, he's on loan from Leicester City, came on loan from Leicester City second half of last season and did very well. He's come back this season for a full season loan. Um, he did miss two months with a knee injury um, in the in the autumn winter, but seven goals from midfield. Um, he, he's, he's a really nice player to watch, real goal threat. So he plays just in the sort of attacking central role off the front two. So he's been, he played, he's, um was one of the ones who was unlucky maybe not to get a goal on, on Tuesday at Plymouth. And May certainly had a few chances as well. But I'll pick him out as one of the, the brighter creative attacking players, um, Callum Wright. And then and then Blair is having an excellent season as well. He spent most of his time at right wing-back, which is where he played um, against Sheffield Wednesday at one Road. But on Tuesday, he played up front, which was a bit of a surprise to most people because he's not he's not really a centre-forward. But he's very quick. And Duff played him up front because Kian Tete, who's on loan from Tottenham, is injured at the moment with an ankle injury. Um, Andy Williams has come in and done all right there in his place. We've got another couple of strikers injured, Dan Lundulu from Southampton on loan, and Charlie Brown, who they signed from MK Dons in January. They're both injured. So he wanted a bit of pace up front without a tete, so he put Blair up there. They actually did very well on Tuesday. So he he formed a good, a good partnership with May. They're very good mates, as I mentioned earlier, and they both played for Doncaster together, and they've got this understanding. So Wright, Blair, and May was quite a good little creative front three on Tuesday. They just missed the chances at crucial times to actually put the ball in the net but they did cause a few problems for the Plymouth defence so so yeah Boyle's sort of the linchpin at the back I would say he plays on the left of the back three and then with right just in behind May whoever May's playing up front with those have been some of the sort of key areas this season I'd say in terms of um, players that have stepped up to League One and
3: done well Go on then you, you kind of started getting into it a little bit there but uh, what, what sort of formation does uh, did the Cheltenham like to play?
4: Yeah, that, that run I mentioned Duff had at the start where he couldn't get a win. He was playing 4-4-2. Um, what, the minute he switched to three five two, that's when Cheltenham started getting results, uh, which would have been sort of October 2018. And, and he's not really strayed too far away from a back three since then. So all last season, it was three five two. Sometimes it could be three four three, but it's very, you know, it's, it depends how advanced the midfielders are and what shape the midfield is. But he definitely loves to play wing-backs in a back three. So I don't see any difference with that on, on Saturday so Boyle on the left probably Matty Pollock in the middle who's on loan from Watford who's also done very well been one of the pick of the defenders this season and then Sean Long and Charlie Ragdon also options in the back three although Long played right wing back on Tuesday because as I mentioned Blair got pushed up front and then uh, midfield they've got Elliot Bonds he's, he's a sort of ball winner sits in front of the back back three um, ex-Hull Hull City He's done well, recently come back from a serious knee injury. And then you've got Liam Circum in there, very experienced. Ex-Bristol Rovers, Exeter, Oxford. He's um, in his second year at Cheltenham. He's a very good player, also chips in with the odd goal. Uh, And then the the wing-backs, unfortunately, Ben Williams, who they signed from Barnsley in January, made a very good start to his Cheltenham career, but he's injured at the moment. So they haven't really got the the natural attacking left wing-back that he would have had. And I think Lewis Freestone will play there on Saturday. He's a good defender um, and and does his best, but he's not really, I would say, a natural wing back. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's always the three-five-two really. Owen Evans in goal, who's pretty good with his feet. Signed him from Wigan in the summer after previous loan spell during the um, the playoff campaign season. So it's uh, yeah, it's a fairly big side, I would say. So they they'd like to play a bit of football, but they can also mix it up with Boyle. You know, real threat from set pieces. Alfie May is also very good at corner and free kick deliveries, as well as his goal-scoring. He's also set quite a few up at crosses this season. And they can mix it up in terms of the physical side. Bonds loves to tackle. Circum's a decent size. Uh, the back three are all big big lads, so they, they can battle. But, but Duff does like to try and keep it on the deck and play football. But going somewhere like Sheffield Wednesday, they'll, they'll probably be set up to frustrate and maybe hit on the counter with a bit of pace.
3: Well, I must say that's not music to our ears because that's something that uh, obviously we we handed out a six 0 thrashing to Cambridge, but you know we were two 0 up after the first ten minutes. So if we're not, you know, if we don't score score early on, yeah, I think we could be setting for uh, a fairly frustrating uh, afternoon. Given what you've uh, what you've just been saying there, uh, I mean, what are you what are your thoughts on us uh, from from the outside looking in, then as a as a Cheltenham fan, obviously. Uh, We've come down from the from the championship and what have you. Yeah, what what are your thoughts on our season so far?
4: Yeah, I think start of the season, you know, the teams that people the Cheltenham would have picked out as potential, you know, title winners or automatic promotion would have been the likes of Sheffield Wednesday, Sunderland, and then and the other ones are up there really. Wigan, Motherum, I think everyone expected to do quite well. Um, but but Wednesday, I don't think it's any surprise to see them in a very good position to get into the playoffs. Um, Probably taken a little while to get. I think for correct me if I'm wrong, but I think for a lot of the early part of the season, it was a little bit harder, wasn't it? And it looks like it's going to finish a lot of draws
3: earlier on in the season. Yeah, uh, well, kind of when we came to your place, that was that was in the midst of the. I would say it wasn't really a bad run because it went on a long unbeaten run, but it was a long unbeaten run with a lot of draws in there and a lot of a lot of drop points, such as the two points that we dropped in the last minute against against yourself. So yeah, it's been. It has been difficult. That's that's probably one word to describe it.
4: Yeah. But yeah, you know, the likes of, you look at the team and I remember the game at, at Cheltenham, I was looking and I think Berahino was on the bench. You know, I, me, I remember seeing him do well at the top level, scored a hat-trick recently, didn't he, against Cambridge. And yep. people like Barry Bannon, who, I think, did he recently re- reach a milestone? 300 appearances, I think, or something like that. for that's, the club, which that's, is,
3: that's coming up this, uh, this weekend, if he plays on Saturday. If up. slash when he plays on Saturday, yeah.
4: Yeah, so you know, players like that are, are what I was talking about earlier. You know, Cheltenham have got lads that they've got some lads on loan that hardly had any first team football before they came to Cheltenham. They've got some other lads that have that have not played in League One before. They've got they've got quite a few that have done well in League Two before, but they haven't got a huge amount that have that have played at a higher level. So when you come up against people like Bannon and Barry, you know, if he's on, if he gets on the pitch on Saturday, you know these these are lads that have, that seem fairly recently to be mixing it with the top players in the country. So. It is it is a mismatch off the pitch, you know, in terms of the size of the clubs, the history, the budgets. But but Cheltenham have quite enjoyed that this season, going go and going and trying to be the underdog and cause a few upsets. You know, you, you know that if Cheltenham take the lead anywhere, it doesn't matter whether it's Sunderland, Sheffield Wednesday, or even Morecambe. The, the home team are probably going to get booed because everyone expects to beat Cheltenham. So the Cheltenham have quite, I think Cheltenham have played on that this season. They've they've been the one of the you know, along with the likes of Morecambe, Cambridge, and, and Crew. You know, probably some of the smallest teams in League One. And they have caused a few upsets, and they 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 like to try and get the the home crowd on the fans back. Uh, but Duff said that Plymouth's crowd are quite hostile. I think They had twelve or thirteen thousand there on Tuesday, and Cheltenham handled that quite well. But he said it's going to be a massive it's going to be a massive notch up at, at Hillsborough. Different type of intensity from the crowd that they've had at places like MK Dons recently or Ipswich. He thinks this is going to be the the tester in terms of the sort of atmosphere that that gets created at Hillsborough he's already spoken about that and um just just on the subject of Duff he was actually at Hillsborough in 1989 I don't know if you're aware of that but he was at the game I I saw something Um, that you'd
3: you'd put on your uh on your twitter I think our local journalists had had picked up on as well so yeah I I saw that and it's his first first time as a manager but he don't he don't like coming coming to Hillsborough does he
4: That's right. He he went back there a few times in the championship at Burnley, and he said he, results-wise, he did all right. But he said he always found it a bit strange coming back. And he was only eleven at the time. He was on the Forest um, Forest books as a young lad at the time. Um, He got released by them, but I think he was eleven-year-old sort of centre of excellence, one for the futures. So he was there with his dad, and I think he did see some, you know, horrific scenes. You know, everyone will know what a terrible day that was for everyone. But you know, for him to be there as a eleven-year-old, I think that did leave a. Bit of a lasting impression on him, so it will be a bit of a strange one for him. And, and I think I don't I don't think he'll let it affect him when the game starts. But I think it will, when he first turns up and has a look round, first time he's been there as a manager, I think he, you know it will be a little bit of a strange experience for him. But but it's it's a uh, it's a great club, and I think it's one of the ones that Cheltenham fans will be looking forward to since the fixtures came out. They'll have been looking forward to going to Ipswich for the first time in the Football League and Sheffield Wednesday for the first time and. I know I said it earlier, but it's just one of those games that you, you don't ever expect to happen unless it's in the FA Cup or you know or the League Cup. You don't expect Cheltenham to be playing Sheffield Wednesday in a league game. And I think Sheffield Wednesday will eventually, whether it's this season or next season, they will get back into the Championship. Hopefully, you know, on the size of the club and everything, hopefully they can get back into the Premier League. But for Cheltenham, they know they're not going to get many chances to go up to Hillsborough and play on a level playing field. So it will be one to enjoy, one to savour for them. Um, and But there's there, there's no doubt in the quality in the squad at that, that Wednesday. is It's uh, it's packed with quality on the bench as well. You know, looking at the team that's that's played um, against Gillingham, didn't, didn't manage to score, but you know the, the quality is there, and it's. I think they they got every chance to go in there uh, going up this season.
3: Yeah, now I just hope that when you come on Saturday, they, they don't just park the bus and, and what have you. Although although if you, if they, if um, if Duffs looks at the previous two games which I'm sure you will have uh, you've probably seen that that's one of the be- better ways of of trying to break us down kind of thing but it's uh, it's certainly frustrating to, to watch anyway um, now I'm just going to uh, nail you down to a, a score prediction John if I can uh, one with your heart and one with your head it could be different
4: yeah I mean don't, don't laugh James but I'm going to go for a one all. so I think Cheltenham will, will make it frustrating but I don't think they'll come and put 11-member on the ball but I think they they are capable of what what they'll want to avoid is a Cambridge United situation where, you know, they concede early, was I think it was an own goal, wasn't it, the first one? Suddenly yeah. find themselves a couple of goals down early on. Then I then I would expect a route. If that happens, I would expect a route. But but if Cheltenham can keep it nil-nil for a lengthy period, maybe there'll be a few murmurings in the crowd, you know, why can't we break down Cheltenham? It's only Cheltenham. I think that's what Duff will be looking for. There'll be music to his ears if they can yeah. create a little bit of frustration and then with May in the sort of form he's been in, um, and the, he, he did have a rare off night on Tuesday in front of goal because the first time this, you know, in recent months, he's actually had a few chances not managed to score. So I think he will—he's due one on Saturday. So I, I can see it being one all with Wednesday having a little bit more of the ball, but Cheltenham being a threat um, on particularly on the counter attack with May and Blair, and I think they—they they might come away with the well-end point, and, and that would be very creditable. I'm going to say that with my. Heart and my head, I'm going to go for a for a one all. I will definitely take that now.
3: Yeah, look, looking at the the possession. I mean, I know possession doesn't mean everything, but you know, yeah, you had more of the possession against uh, against Plymouth on Tuesday, which again, you know, it's not a um, not not many teams go to home park. I you know we found it we found it tough when we went there both in the FA Cup and uh, in the league as as well. And you know, in the early part of the season, I probably said they were the, one of the better. Best or better, if not one of the best teams in the in the league, when we came up against them. So yeah, that's not a, um, you know, that's a, a kind of a decent feat in its in itself yeah. to to have, have much of the ball. Um, right, John. Before I let you go, uh, obviously, thank you very very much for uh, for coming on. Uh, where can we find you on all the socials if we if you want to?
4: Yeah, if anyone wants to have a look at the Chelten content, you know, the build-ups, the game, and during the game, so it's UK. That's where I'll be. Putting some content over the next few days, and also on match day on Saturday, and then socials, um, Twitter, John Palmer Sport, John without an H, so J O N Palmer Sport. You know, any Wednesday fans um, who want to ask me anything or have a chat, and you know, I'm always happy to interact with uh, any any foot, decent football fans. So uh, yeah, that's my channel. We've got Gloucester Lives, my match day um, sort of hub, the website there. But I'll be certainly be live tweeting, and for me, it'll be an exciting one. I've been to Hillsborough before for a. Uh, a League Cup gaming at Sunderland in about 19, uh, 2001, when Michele DiPiedi scored. That oh, was the that, last time that, I to Hillsborough.
3: That goal, yeah. People still yeah. talk about that goal even now.
4: It was. Uh, that, <laughs> I that, was there for extra time I think wasn't
3: it yeah that overhead kick it was a fantastic goal from outside the box yeah it's uh, it's just a shame it was in the cup and what have you and I, think, I, think yeah. was, I think there's like one video on YouTube that you can uh, that you can find that, that goal on but yeah people people still talk about that goal now but uh, John yeah. so, that, so 20 years
4: on I get to come back which I'm yeah, looking forward to but yeah it's been a pleasure James no problem
3: great stuff well uh, I hope you enjoy uh, enjoy the trip up hopefully not too much of course and, uh, and hopefully enjoy the, the rest of the season Cheers, John. Brilliant. Cheers. Yeah. Thanks, Dave. Yeah. Cheers, mate. Like, thanks. Uh, thanks very much. Just be going out probably uh, Friday morning uh, now. So we we do like a football phone thing, literally in five minutes time. So um, right. that kind of goes out in the in the morning or the, the rerun yeah. kind of thing. Uh, and then I'll put this out on Friday as as well. So I'll tag you in it and uh, you can okay. retweet it and whatnot. All right.
4: Yeah, brilliant. Will do, James. Good to chat, mate. Cheers, Thanks a lot. John. Anything Thanks. else I can do, give me a shout.
3: Cheers, mate. Thank you very much. Bye.
0: Cheers. Bye. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.